0: So there's a bag of ping-pong balls here. It's from
1: yesterday.
0: <laughs> do, yeah. do we just start throwing them around? If <laughs> <Does> anybody <laughs> falls asleep, All right. QA. I have yeah. good aim. Not so. <laughs> so, really, thanks for attending today's session. Uh, we're gonna talk today about, oh, I don't know, can you hear me back there? Yeah, okay. We're gonna talk today about um, Museums for Digital Learning, a community of 21st century museums, educators, and students. So um, what I've been hearing yesterday and this morning is how important sense of community is and MCN really is a community. So when this project was designed, it was deliberately created such that it would create a sense of community between museums, educators, and students, which is imperative and that that sense of community, that purpose behind the community is that there is shared vision that the digital content that museums have is so valuable and so underutilized that it's certainly underutilized within the educational community, K through 12 students. Um, My name is Stuart Alter. I'm the project director for this. When this project began, I was the director of technology in Newfield's lab I have since left Newfields, I'm out as an independent consultant, but I've stayed on in this role for the duration of the project. So uh, we want to talk today a lot about our model of process and product, how it's iterative, how it was established a sense of community. And about two years ago, Paula, here at IMLS, um, called me and we had several extensive conversations about what her vision was for this MDL. Oh, there you go. Thank now you. you, know who now, you now, are. now you know who I am. Uh, uh, so, what her vision was and what the innovation lab at Newfields had done. So, we talked a lot about that and decided that what we did from a technology cooperative partner and a project management cooperative partner and ILS, IMLS would come together. We created this idea and launched a two year project. And the first thing we said was, let's create a platform. So we knew that there were a lot of components that we wanted to put together. So on the left, there's all these pieces. What do we want? What's going to differentiate this platform from all of the other educational platforms that are out there? The biggest thing being museum content. We also knew that we were going to design this in such a way it was going to be really an iterative process during the process of the first year and the product the second year. So it' was going to look something like this, <laughs> just going around and around until we really, in an iterative way, keep tweaking what's going to be part of it, what's not, and what the platform is going to look like. And we'll cover today, you know, a lot of the, the essence of this project. So the first thing we needed to do was build a team, of course. It's an extensive team, uh, people from IMLS, both the lead, the administrator, Newfield's project director and administration. The Newfields technical team of developers, designers, and content expertise, uh, two museum content providers, 10 educators from around the country, a museum consultant from here in San Diego, independent evaluators, and 10 future museum content providers, which we'll get into a little bit in a little bit to talk about how other institutions can be part of this. So today you'll hear about the IMLS perspective, the project overview and what the platform is currently looking like from new fields, museum content from the field museum, the collaborative process, I'll be talking a little bit more and we'll get into a panel discussion, and what the opportunity is for involvement and then we'll open it up for some Q&A. Paula.
2: Good morning everyone. I will use the mic because I have a toothache and a sore throat. So I don't want to stress myself, sorry. <laughs> um, so before we begin, um, just uh, with a show of hands, how many of you work in museums? Wonderful. And how many of you uh, work with museums in a consulting or in a tech, a tech company? Okay, wonderful, we have a good mix. So uh, like Stuart mentioned, um, you know, uh, I just wanted to know because how much, okay, hope technology works. Yeah, I'll just, maybe I'll just do it. Do it from there? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So, um, I just wanted to uh, give sort of a very high-level view of the vision, the goals, and the deliverables, uh, because this is a relatively major project for IMLS. And before I begin, um, just wanted to – maybe you'll have to do it for me. Sorry. Stuart, kick, okay. Just kick me okay um, so I know that most of you know about you know who IMLS is we are the primary source of federal funding uh, we get about 240 million uh, a year from the Congress bulk of that funding goes to the library grants to states program and the remaining is divided up between the office of Library service and the museum services um, there are about 125 thousand libraries and 30,000 plus museums uh, and when we talk about museums they are like nature centers to zoos to historic house museums all types of museums and you have to meet some eligibility criteria to be to apply for grants our deadline is november 15th how many of you are in the plans of applying this year i'm just going to take a look at the hands not look at the faces or the institutions (laughs) so we are expecting close to a thousand grants and only about two-thirds of them, you know, eventually will get funded, so, but continue doing the great work. Um, and, you know, the current level of OMS funding for FY19 was uh, 34.7 million, which actually was an increase of 3 million, and, again, thanks to all the good work that you're doing that we are able to show the value proposition to Congress to, you know, continue the funding. Uh, quick overview of the types of grants. Um, there is one slide that's missing, but that's okay. Um, we have. There's, there should have been one more slide before this. Nope. It got. Deleted, maybe. Um, So we do grants. We have, uh, you know, the bulk of our money is for Museums for America, where individual museums can apply. National Leadership Grant is for large projects where a museum, a university, a nonprofit, a foundation can apply, but they have to be large projects. And actually, um, where this fits in, this project fits in, as you can see, is under a cooperative agreement. So from the NLG or the National Leadership Grant for Museums, We actually engage in cooperative agreements or interagency agreement uh, on specific topics that that are important for IMLS, not just important for IMLS, but where we feel there is an unmet need in the field. We have been engaged with the American Alliance of Museum for um, many number of years with the MAP program. Uh, we are you know, in co- collaboration with the Children's Museum on our Museums for All accessibility program. And that's where, in this universe of cooperative agreement, and these are substantive, you know, big, big grants. Uh, They range from like 300,000 to close to a million or a little over a million, and their cooperative agreement, and the distinction is that in a cooperative agreement, IMLS is engaged with the grantee throughout the project. In terms of other grants, we give you the grants and we are totally hands off, and we just review the reports and, you know, you comply. But in this, just like Stuart mentioned, and in many of these, the vision of what the project is either comes from the cooperator like acm brought to our attention that you know they wanted to do something to increase accessibility and that's where we engaged in terms of this particular project our needs assessment showed that there is a need for a project like this and we provided the vision statement and looked for partners you know to put the whole collaborative together so i'm not going to get into the details of all but just so that you know where mdl as a project Fits into the universe of the IMLS work, so. Um I joined, um, I've been with IMLS now in my current role as the Deputy Director for about four years, but I've been associated with IMLS for more than a decade in different roles. I was on the board, appointed by President Obama for three years, and I was the board member who asked the maximum number of questions and didn't get the answers. So now in my role, I was like, when I joined, I said, we are going to look deeper into where the investments, you know, are being made, where the gaps are, I'm, I'm very data oriented, so we did an extensive internal scan of everything that IMLS had funded, everything digital IMLS had funded for the last five years. You know, my, my staff used to dread this word, Paula wants internal scan, but now they, they love it. Now they love it because they are seeing the benefits of it. And the insights from those IMLS-funded uh, digital projects showed us that the majority of what IMLS was funding was digital asset management. You know, museums coming in, we want to digitize 1,000 to 3,000 to 30,000 objects. How will they be used? We will put it up on the website. They'll be used, possibly used by researchers, very traditional, you know, approach. More than 60 percent of the 400, you know, projects that we we have funded are digitization of collections or, you know, uh, digital asset management, which is very important. And then some were for education technology, piloting an online course, a kiosk, you know, um, a digital learning lab, you know, things like that, and few sort of cross-cut. Many museums are individually providing phenomenal innovative digital solution. But what we found lacking is that the current models and efforts are so fragmented that the power of the whole you know, of what museums can provide to the educational community um, is really lacking. Sometimes, you know, we say more is not good. There is so much that sometimes if you talk to K through 12 educators, they'll tell you we are so inundated and so overwhelmed with everything that's out there that when the need comes, we just Google, and find whatever is, whether that's authentic, whether that's contextualized, whether that has ma- metadata, it doesn't matter, we just need something. So there is, there is abundance of digital platforms, but there's too much variety, you know, out there. And so that's that was like a, you know, um, a, a big aha moment, you know, uh, learning from the projects that we had funded. Thank you, Stuart. And some of the other... Um, some of the other insights from museum and education sectors, um, I've been in the realm of education as a practitioner before I joined IMLS. I was eight years working as the chief learning officer at the Henry Ford. And, you know, I, I was very engaged with the, the whole K-12 through sector, and they, there's a dire need uh, for new ways of, of engaging this I generation. You know, that whole sage on the stage to facilitator of learning, you know, that's, that, that thing is that there is this need, uh, but there is lack of good user-centric models and tools to expand the use of digitized collections. So especially with collections-based organizations, you're digitizing it, but if you're putting like an image, even if it's a 3D image, without any contextual tool aligned to the educators, you know, that, then the gap is really not being met. And many museums can better use their digitized collection, even if you take the 400 where they have digitized. We have actually changed the language in our NOFOs to say, how are you using the digitized collection. So it has gone from the effort of digitizing to how you're deploying the digitized collection. And then the big gap is that the small and medium-sized museums, they do have valuable assets and believe it or not, about 17,000 of the 30,000 museums are small and medium-sized. That's our sector. So there are the MoMAs and the Henry Fords and the large institutions, but there are the bulk of the sector. And as a funder, we have a responsibility. They do not have the expertise, the capacity, or the resources to contribute to digital learning. So those were some very basic needs. And we can just continue funding whatever comes every year, or we can be thoughtful, make our decision based on data, and then provide the vision. And museums for digital learning um, is, is you know, the next slide please, is uh, one of the ways. So what are the goals? So I, to, for you to, to go away, there are five things that we are trying to do. One is we are trying to pilot a shared digital platform. And going back to what um, Stuart said, very important, for any pilot to have the iterative element in it. When you're piloting something, you're experimenting, you're trying to learn to, be, to make better. We are trying to leverage digital collection related data and assets in the form of interdisciplinary digital resources. When the kids come out of school and are going to college and the workforce, you know, the workforce does not, you know, they do require content expertise. But the workforce is interdisciplinary. But we are not preparing our kids for that. So the, the combination of an art museum, a history and a science museum, like the Field Museum, and uh, History Colorado, you know, it was, it was put to, the three partners were put together with a lot of thought. And then the products that are going to come out are also going to be interdisciplinary by design. That's, that's the point. And so we are trying to create a model where teachers are co-creators. We, know of enough projects where we have a teacher advisory group. We meet with them, we do flip charts, we listen to them, we take notes, we circulate and maybe they come back as experimental. In this particular project, and Carla will go into details, the ten teachers are co-creators right from the the get-go. They are not only creating uh, the products; they are going to be the first one to test the products in the classroom and tell us, you know, how how these are working out. And then we want to test and validate the approach of contributing content. The way these guys are building it, can that be replic- replicated by museums of all types, disciplines? So that's like the bigger, bigger goal. So and and. Overall, we want to serve the educational needs of the nation's uh, educators and students, so that there is this one-stop shop where K through 12 education can say, "Where can I find, you know, contextual museum content?" and they can go rather than going to 10,000 other places. So uh, this was launched through a cooperative agreement with Newfields and the uh, and IMLS. And um, I'm a visual learner, so how it all comes together, as you can see, IMLS provided the vision and is providing the leadership guidance. Newfield is a cooperator. They're doing the project management. We have History Colorado and Field Museums as the content partners. Then we have the 10 K through 12 educators. Uh, eventually we'll be bringing in 10 museums and we have a consultant and an evaluator. And this was our first kickoff meeting at Newfields. Uh, last year, right? It's almost yep. been a year.
0: And yes, that's Nick Honey said on the right. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the consultant. Um, and then the key project deliverables, what is in it for IMLS, what are we looking at, what are we nudging, you know, the project partners, is we, we don't want to recreate or reinvent the wheel. So at the front end, you know, we asked, uh, that is one of the deliverables that um, uh, new fields will produce for us is an environmental scan and guide with lessons learned. You know, it's a process evaluation, right? What did we learn? Uh, If there are other models, how is MDL going to be different and complementary to the other models? Because we don't want to recreate the same thing. Shared platform and access portal, suite of standardized digital educational products and solutions, pilot platform and product testing documentation, a collaborative model with different museums of different disciplines, and uh, a third-party evaluation of the process and the products, and of course, with every national leadership grant, uh, the requirement is you come up with a sustainability plan. Um, after the project funding ends, how are you going to sustain? Are you going to unplug? No. You know, that's not expected. That's, that's something that, you know, uh, goes through a lot of review. That at least come up with a business plan, talk to partners, and that's the reason, you know, um, everyone's input today would be really, really good. Thank you. Patrick, do you want to sit here? Be great. Oh, sorry. Yes. Did you want me to move? It's off mute.
3: Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Patrick Cavanaugh. I'm the manager of technology development and implementation at Newfields. If you guys remember, uh, if you visited us the uh, past couple years at MCN, Newfields is the rebranded version or the home of the Indianapolis Museum of Art. So Newfields represents a campus that includes a museum of art a uh, historic property, a garden, a 100-acre uh, art and nature park. So at Newfields, we also have a technology lab, and part of that lab, um, what we're doing is where the technology leads for the um, Museums for Digital Learning. We have myself, we have Samantha Norling, who's a digital collections manager, uh, two software developers, Rich Lemke and Daniel Keller, and an interactive designer. So this is the technical weight behind developing the platform, and they've been involved in the process throughout um, the discovery and and ongoing development. So today what I'm going to present to you is the current state of the live prototypes that are kind of reflective of all this brainstorming activity that has gone into um, the creation of the MDL platform. So, a little bit of what Newfields Lab does, um, I'll briefly go over this. We do software development, a lot of web-based applications, also interactives for galleries, even bleeding into mixed reality and kind of experimental gallery experiences. Uh, Data analytics, serving our senior leaders, business intelligence, dashboarding. um, And also, we're the resident technology consultants and experts for various needs of Newfields. So moving on to museums for digital learning. So what I'm going to show today is really a representative of the two major parts of the platform. We have the the backstage, which is really where museums are going to log in, uh, create their content, upload their objects, and start to, you know, inject their digitized collection material into these templated activities and resource kits that you can create. And then on the back end, or I should say, front end, on the front stage, those are presented in an easy to consume, um, clean interface that educators and students will be able to access. Um, So I'm going to switch, before we go to that, to a different presentation so I can actually take you through kind of a live demonstration of this. Okay, so what you see here is the backstage, that's what we're calling the backstage. This is really the, the back end where you log in as a museum. And you have these various, um, let me get a little bit bigger so you guys can see. Okay, so this is just uh, devoid of color wireframes. I'm sure many of you have interfaced with these. Um, the front end is gonna be much more uh, full of the color and branding that you've kind of seen some things. So it all starts with the media. And the media is coming from, let's say, a museum's digitized collections. So let's say you're a museum that's gotten an IMLS funded um, grant and you've digitized a lot of your collections but they're just sitting there just waiting to be consumed. So this is where you can go in. you can add media, um, documents, images, audio, video, uh, 3D and you basically have a preview of it, you're able to associate a bare minimum kind of required metadata Uh, in the case of video, audio, 3D, maybe it's uh, a Vimeo video, YouTube, maybe it's SoundCloud, maybe it's Sketchfab. So we have the ability to add all those and build those up. So those are the initial building blocks. And the media objects are then used to be included in an object. And an object is what you might um, think of it as media plus more extensive metadata that really kind of defines how this can be used within an educational context. So you can create an object, maybe, we'll see if this works. Internet's been a little bit wonky. Basically, what this would provide is an interface, potentially. Okay. Um, so you'd be able to go through and create an object, add your metadata. The rest of these are not going to work. Okay. Yeah. So since I don't have internet, Challenges of a live Do you demo? want me to no, give me we're my good. personal hotspot plan for this? Okay. Sorry, I just have to go to the backups. Okay. So do So create and edit an object. So here you go. So an object you can have multiple pieces of media. And you can see that you have um, various other metadata that you attach to it, a title, a link, you can choose mediums. So this is where, if you've experienced many of the online collections, that's what you're going to kind of be building up in here, or kind of, as we go through this, we're going to iterate on ways to make this easy for the museum to embed or ingest their um, collections data into this. So that's one of the things that we're going to try and prove out, is how can we get this done efficiently so it's not requiring an extensive amount of commitment um, and time from the museums. And you can see here, okay, so now we're gonna move on to activities. So bear with me. So this is an example of the backstage for activities. You can see there's an create activity button um, over here. And this would lead you to this create activity um, dashboard. Okay, so here's where you can think about this is like a CMS, like you're working with a, a web page and you're creating an activity which is a series of objects. Now some of these activities might be as simple as an article or what we're calling narrative. So that's where you'd have an object, you'd have some copy, um, you'd be able to, you know, really kind of guide through in a blog fashion or a a narrative fashion just what it is. That's the kind of the simplest activities. We also have, um, let me see if I can find out, there's other activities that We've kind of shown here, um, such as slideshows and um, kind of hotspot activities. And basically, what these are, each one represents kind of our condensed version through conversations with the educators on what exactly uh, what activities would be most beneficial to embed these collection objects into. And how can that engage the students in a way that they can interact with it? Um, at times, they can customize it and put their own annotations and uh, commentary on that. And ultimately, they can export that or submit that as a submission for a, um, a homework assignment or, or some kind of assignment. So this is just to give you um, a quick dive into this. So there's, there's more objects. I'm not going to really go into the backstage too much because you guys would probably like to see what... Um, front stage looks like. So I'm going to move on to that. And this is a little bit more fleshed out. This is what we're starting to use with our evaluators to test out what this would actually look like um, and get educator feedback and see how well this reflects these conversations we've had with these 10 educators at various in-person meetings and these design thinking sessions. So what we've done here is taken a China online exhibition from the Field Museum and we've deconstructed it and basically ingested it into our platform in a way that we envisioned it would work. So here you have your home page, you have um, subject, grade levels, standards, museums, so navigation that way, um, you have the ability to log in. And if we click through, you'd have various resource kits, and that's kind of the highest level. You have resource kits that are series activities that are built using objects, and that's kind of the hierarchy that we're looking at. Dive into a resource kit, you have um, the title. You have educational standards. You have the ability to bookmark and share via social media. You have some copy that explains intros to the, um, to the, ex- or the resource kit. And here we have various activities within the resource kit. So we'll dive into a few of these. Um, here you have your navigation. So you can see for individual resource kit you have Um, grade level that it's targeted to. Roughly, we're looking at three different tiers of grade levels, early, middle, and um, later education up to uh, 12th grade. And we also have this kind of navigation where you have um, bookmarking of various activities and educational materials that the, the educator can download and use to build up their lesson plans. Um, Here's an example of standards. Like, each of these activities will have associated standards with them, so this will match with state standards um, and basically the most important ones as we start to work through this with educators. Okay, educational materials. This is hard to read, but basically this is a quick sheet that educators can print off and download and use for their lesson building. And then you have an example of a video. So this is a very simple activity, one that you can have your YouTube video embedded, have some copy, um, and you still have the associated standards, bookmarking, sharing. Here's an example of a narrative where you have kind of a, um, a guiding object that has associated metadata This says details down here, you can click through to open up. Um, there's also embedded slideshows. and this is all part of that narrative activity. And moving down, scrolling down, you see there's additional images and copy. This is an example of what the uh, slideshow would be like. So if you click out here, launch in slideshow, um, it's just a simple-to-consume slideshow that you can scroll through and have various um, photographs and, and copy to describe that. Here's another example, a similar narrative. Where you have an object and oops, um, you have associated images and copy, so that's just kind of that's very similar to what the first one was. And again, a slideshow example. Um, Stinkpot. <laughs> this is a, another narrative example. A lot of these are um, aren't going to show the full breadth of what the MDL platform can do because we are using the online China exhibition, but this was what uh, they provided with us and what we're kind of using for this initial testing phase as we build it out. And then you have just another example of some more in-depth narratives. Um, So, yeah. So this just gives you a sense of what the platform is going to look like as we build out (laughs) this initial prototype. Um, you can see here this is reflective of a three D object. This would be a Sketchfab uh, sketch plugin or a three D viewer where you could rotate this object and zoom in and have that kind of interactive experience. And then some an example of the metadata when you click through to a actual object. And then lastly, this is a three um, D graphic that represents a di- digital, digital virtual gallery where you have hotspots that you. Can click through and have um, associate content with each hotspot, so yeah. So I will move on, I'm probably over my time. But let's hop back on, and I'm gonna hand it off to Carla, who is one of our educational partners at the Field Museum.
2: And I just, as Carla is walking up, I'll mention that this is just the beginning, because uh, for the last one year, um, you know, we were having the conversation, the ideation, the selections of the ten teachers. They represent different, uh, not only different grade level. They represent different geographic, you know, regions. That's important for IMLS to have like a nationwide representation. And they also uh, represent a different disciplines. So we are, you know, taking that. And this is just the beginning. And we are missing one of our other content partners, uh, History Colorado. Um, they are also, you know, contributing. Um, not only similar, co- similar um, content from the History Colorado's digitized assets, but the, the thing that's really exciting for us as IMLS to watch is that they are collaborating and sort of on certain topics, both the institutions and they are even leveraging some of the assets from um, new fields um, and sort of creating like a three institution you know, collaborative mod- module. Hello everyone,
1: Um, again my name is Carla, Um, I'm from the Field Museum in Chicago. Um, We are a natural history museum with a collection of around 40 million objects and specimens and we really try to um, fuel discovery in our educators and learners by connecting them with that collection through, um, through accessible and relevant technology. As Paula said, our content partner is History Colorado, which is located in Denver. Um, And they try to make Colorado's history accessible um, to the visitors and um, members of that state that um, by sharing powerful stories and honoring that state's treasured memories um, in their work. So it's been very exciting to work together um, with that institution and their um, collections and education staff, um, to bring our content to this pilot program um, and help infuse this project with the voice of the users, the ultimate users of the of the um, platform, which are going to be museum contributors, but also educators, um, and then also as as people have alluded to, to document our process, our challenges, and our solutions. Um, in order to sort of pave the way for museum contributors in the future and provide um, more documentation so that um, as more people join on to the platform and are contributing that their um, experience is efficient and effective as possible. Um, One of the first lessons that we came to when we uh, started this project and started bringing all of our resources together is that museums are creating, by and large, we're creating a very wide breadth of um, education materials and sharing digital digital learning, digital collections in a lot of different ways. Um, So what we did is um, we started to question, well how are we going to bring these things together on a single platform um, that is somewhat coherent, makes sense, is something that when someone sees it, they're actually going to want to use it. Um, So we ended up asking educators and you can see here that, um, as, as allu- was alluded to before, the educators are from across the country. Um, they represent all grade levels from kindergarten through high school. Um, we have several middle grade educators because I know um, for us and History of Colorado that middle grade, third through eighth grade is a real sweet spot in terms of um, users of the museum and field trips and everything like that, um, and we asked, So we brought the educators um, in on the project and we asked them, what do you look for when you're seeking resources outside of your district's curriculum? What are you, what do you like about these resources that we're putting out there? What do you dislike? Um, What is superfluous? Um, Tons of questions. And um, got a lot of really rich, great data from, this work and that was used to inform the platform that Patrick and the Newfields team have um, created thus far and are are putting into the pilot. And I guess I well I think I did allude to this, but um, one thing that is sort of similar about all the educators in our grouping so far are they are they are educators that are are kind of tuned in to utilizing cultural institution material and unique source material in their teaching. So they're willing to go outside of the the standard curriculum and bring in these like rich and unique resources. Um, And so I'm gonna pause here from all this talk about what we've been doing and I want you guys to turn to someone near you um, in the room here and take one minute. And just uh, think about, you know, looking at this map of educators and just thinking about where your uh, home institution resides, maybe on this map, maybe maybe it's off this map. Sorry if I' had excluded you. <laughs> yeah, there, I, I excluded Canada. I excluded um, Hawaii, Alaska. Alaska, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but just think about if rather than I know for us, our our typical users are within our drive space um, or or our region. And so think about what it would mean for your work if it was available through a platform that was known nationally. Take one minute to turn to someone in your immediate vicinity and just share that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah. and that's the beauty of the one-stop shop idea, is that people go someplace expecting to find one thing, and they'll find completely different things. All right, I'm going to attempt to bring everyone back now. All right, if I could get everyone to uh, wrap up their conversations in about five seconds. Three... Two, one. All right. If you can hear me, raise your hand. Remember, there's ping pong balls. <laughs> that was great. Thanks, everybody. Um, so it seemed like there was some lively conversation. That's exciting. Um, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so now I'm just going to like finish up here with talking about what we're what we're really working on now and what's next um, for the content creation. Um, so, as we discussed, as as Paula highlighted, collaboration and co-creation are like a core value of this project. Um, and working, working with an institution um, like Newfield, or well, like Newfields, but also um, specifically with History Colorado, um, across state lines, across um, an hour time difference, has its challenges. And it's not always been easy to engage with partners that. Um, you know, do parallel work but do it in a different way, come from a different institutional culture. But it's also been very rewarding. If you think about the experience here at MCN where you kind of are like, oh, my people, there are people here that think about these things too. We get to do that every week for a few hours a week. Um, So that's been a really gratifying part of this project. And in doing that, we're also, like I said, we're developing processes um, and we're looking at problems and solutions to co-creation, so that there's there's going to be a framework and sort of different protocols that can be used, if you have this idea that, hey, I wanna I wanna join together with, um, you know, that art museum in um, in Indianapolis, or I wanna join together with um, with the Madison Art Museum in Wisconsin, or something like that, and um, and just. You know, form these new ideas. One of the um, one of the processes that we're doing in the co-creation is that we're we're looking at a theme or a broad essential question um, for for you uh, instructional designers out there, and we're um, we're applying that to both collections and seeing what comes up, seeing what we can pull out of the collections in terms of objects and specimens that speak to this. Um, bigger question and doing that across the collection of multiple institutions has been like pretty amazing and it's just it's a super fun thing to do and then when you bring in the educators and say "Um, all right think about this theme think about this question look at these objects that we have for you to teach with what kind of learning strategies uh, would you bring to this and then we take that and we and then we go to the platform and we build out these learning activities and create a resource kit. Um, and so that's, um, that's kind of our work. I hope I made it sound exciting. And um, I'm going to turn it back over to Stuart for some more questioning.
0: All right, well thank you to the three of you. I think that presented a great overview of this project. I want to talk a little bit, if I can pick up the mouse, doesn't matter. So um, I want to talk a little bit more about collaboration because we, as I said, we really did deliberately design this community around a really, uh, around a group of people that we're going to be passionate, not just interested in, but passionate about getting digitized Museum collections out into the hands of educators, so we were lucky because we did we hand-selected the ten Educators who like Carla said they already had this interest so you know half the battle was won already but um, We also deliberately had this disparity size geography budget technology and with the educators socioeconomic so in some of these discussions there were things that came up that we just never would have entertained had we not had a really disparate group of people at the table. Um, but what that does also is bring about a lot of discussion, sometimes not necessarily, you know, some very opinionated discussion. There is lexicon that is a challenge. A term, a term that might mean something in the museum world means something very different in the educational world. So we encountered a lot of that, those issues. We also encountered, as this, I'm sure everyone in this room will nod their head, a lot of very smart people, very passionate people, and therefore very opinionated people who really threw the gauntlet down and said, I think we should do this. So. Um, the rest of this time I really want to focus on, co- or the th- I want to turn to the panel and really talk about collaboration in ask and give it to you three to talk about. I may throw two cents in. But really, you know, honestly, this is a tough process, so I want to hear what some of your thoughts are. So let's have a panel discussion. Up, oh, wrong panel, cheap joke. So, the first question really is about the process, and as I said, this we really focused on what we differentiated between the process, mostly in the first year, and the product in the second year. The evaluation process, will look at both, you know, pretty much separately. So we had three face-to-face meetings. We had lots of brainstorm sessions, the environmental scan, East Coast and West Coast group meetings on the phone every week. Um, the museum content providers in a collaborative way, educators, technical, um, and again, remember that the museum, I mean the educators were representing the students. So the name of our presentation was Museums, Educators, and Students. If we had asked students, we would have gotten into a lot of trouble who would have said we want a Godzilla to jump up out of the screen and take a rocket ship to the moon and bring us back by dinner time, and that was just outside the scope of the pilot. So. Um, I just want to throw the question out there how successful do you feel that we were in the in the process of collaboration
3: Yeah I can I'll kick it off um it was kind of extraordinary the amount of time that went into it um in a good way in 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 retrospect because I, So you have technologists interfacing with museum professionals interfacing with educators. (coughs) So three groups that don't normally talk all the time. I mean, you probably have more exposure and interaction with educators, but you bring in technologists who are there, like, hey, what are our requirements? (laughs) And they're like, what are requirements? Or like, (laughs) how are we gonna build these wireframes? (coughs) Or like, what are our user stories? And they're like, when the educators are like, huh? Um, So that was really fun to, tease out and to ask them and figure out okay how specifically as technologists how are we going to interact with these educators and get at what they want in their classroom like they're dealing with kids on a day-to-day basis so they're the way that they're interacting and interfacing and just like going about their daily jobs is very different than the way we are when we're looking at code and building things and trying to hit specs and requirements so through a lot of design thinking discussions is how we kind of achieve that and we had great input from there were some wonderful people at the field museum who led some of these design thinking and brainstorming sessions we as technologists led some of them that were more uh, focused on user stories and and trying to trick them into giving us requirements um, without them knowing just um, but I think it really boiled down, it wasn't time that was lost. And it's an ongoing discussion. I mean, this is something that's cultivated or culminated with these prototypes and this short list of these many activities out of a list of maybe 50 that were, you know, bounced around at the beginning. But this will be so great moving forward as we begin the next cycle of iteration of actually getting the alpha in front of the educators and saying, how well did we hear you? And is this going to be usable in your classroom? Because ultimately, that's that's the main customer. Do you want to talk?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to reiterate the idea of time. I think sometimes when you um, when you think about collaboration, um, it's really hard to set aside the time. But it takes it takes time, unfortunately. I know. I know. Like. Maybe strategy people or or business people are like, oh, there's no time. But um, I think that's our experience in working with educators. Um, you have to, you know, take the time to understand, take the time to communicate, um, and empathize, and then. But it, it really does pay off. I think.
2: So. Um, I'll add my two cents. Um, as you saw on that diagram that I showed you, um, this is a project with, which is multi-layered in terms of collaboration. It's a collaboration between a federal agency and a museum. It's a collaboration between that particular museum with two other museums. Then there is a, you know another layer of collaboration. So it's, it's a multi-layered complex collaboration. So time, distance, Uh, especially when you are ideating, uh, even though we all love technology, we all love video conferencing, and we all, you know, have conference calls uh, every Wednesday, uh, it is a challenge. You know, I know for me, I'm sort of, coming to the MDL call, trying to make time for an MDL call packed between two other meetings, you know, and to have the mind to sort of comprehend what the progress is and sort of give the input. So so there are definitely, you know, those, those kind of challenges. But one of the basic um, crux of this project, and when I, like, Stuart mentioned when I was having phone calls you know um, with Stuart picked up the phone and said hi Stuart this is Paula and you know we have this uh, this project in mind they or
0: interviewed
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> or like you know I was in Chicago and I you know called uh, Beth uh, over and I said hey can you meet me at Starbucks I have this idea that I want to talk about one of the things I kept on pushing is you all are experts in this field what MDL is asking you is to take an altruistic lens and sort of step out of your role of what you do for your institution, for you, your group of educators, and now you are the mentor institutions building this platform, doing something for the much larger museum sector. So that's where the whole you know, set of you know, the collaboration uh, becomes, you know, it, it sort of evolves into, like, into a new meaning. So, and again, from, um, from a federal funder agency perspective, uh, we constantly have to guide um, everything that's happening so that it stays within some of the mandates of you know, a federal agency product, especially, as you heard, you know, in the keynote today, uh, what happens with the data? What happens with, uh, you know, sensitive data? Or, you know, how are you, uh, if certain museums are coming on board, uh, are they going to be signing off, you know, or giving you release on some of the content that they're putting? So there are these complex issues, and that's where, while the there is a different kind of you know collaboration we are very pleased with how everything has been happening we are constantly sort of guiding uh the partners into sort of keeping those things in mind
3: here and i'll put a quick quick little plug in the collaboration doesn't stop now so you some of you and i don't know how much we've mentioned this so the next step and i think we'll probably talk about this but we're also soliciting 10 future museum partners to join us on this journey so it's been history colorado in the field to start to really help us build and get in the trenches at the early stages but after that initial phase that's when we bring on 10 additional museums to join in this provide additional content and collaborate and continue this journey so this is really just still the early stages of it Um, but so that's just a a plug to put in your ear if you guys want to talk about that feel free to come up to any of us and and we can continue that discussion.
0: So much for my last two slides. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we we're running a little bit short on time. So the, a quick answer to the next question is very similar, but it's about the product. So we had all these museum content providers, other museums, the educators and you know, the students or the students as represented by the educators. We've now seen the platform. We know this platform will absolutely evolve. Patrick demonstrated some of the activities. There have been a lot more activities that we've talked about that the educators really want interaction with students. They want the students to be able to get on there and go through something. How do you feel at this point, when we've just started building it out, about the iterative process to build the product? It's a similar question.
3: No, it's really good. I mentioned, I mentioned we called down a list of, like, 50 activities down to 10. And these were activities that were well-vetted by educators. So when we're talking about activities, it's like the, the narrative. It's like that's a very basic one, but it's, it's essential. But then there's also things like a puzzle where you can put together or a sorting activity or a timeline or a gallery or a landscape with those hot spots. So these are ones that we went back to the educators and it's like how well do you think this would function in your classroom setting and is this what you want? Um, So yeah, we'll test out those first 10 activities but then it's a platform is made in, the plan is in such a way that these activities can be extended and even it's been bounced around the idea of having a um, standardized to the point where we can have external developers come in and say hey, I wanna build a new activity for the MDL platform I'm gonna submit it you know, using this these set of specs and conform to this standard. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. we're actually down to five
0: minutes. Yeah. So.
2: Okay, I'll just mention two things. Um, what the MDL platform in terms of product um, we are not looking for is that the museums, the future museums will just put up whatever they have developed. You know, We don't want this platform to have become just like any other platform where there is 10,000 varieties of educational products. So the standardization Um, is very important, and again, from a user uh, perspective.
0: Okay, thank you. So, um, last slide. So this is, again, it really is an iterative process, and it will continue to be, and that's where we really want to get 10 additional museums to provide some content. Because a lot of what we've built out involves History Colorado and their, their way of doing things, and the Field Museum and their way of doing things, the more museums that come on board with different, very different kinds of collections, the way they do things, their data, this will evolve further. So the opportunity now is for 10 additional museums to step up and get involved. What's in it for the institutions? Visibility, visibility about the museum, about the collections, about the digital collections, and about their, their passion and involvement and dedication to providing education based on, those, you know, based on those digital assets. So we're looking for, again, geographically, size, type, diversity in those institutions, But from each institution, we really need a commitment, dedicated staff, we need some digital assets. Those digital assets, we don't need fully robust with all kinds of metadata. We want to build this so it's really available to smaller and medium-sized institutions. So in the next 10 institutions, we may take large, but we certainly want representation from small, medium, and large museums. So we're here the rest of the day I didn't quite talk about that, never mind. So we're here the rest of the day. Come to, come to me, come to Paula, Carla, Patrick. Talk about it, take a card, give us your card. We would love to further discuss it. We really would like to onboard 10 additional museums, certainly by the end of the year or very early in January. So um, we're here, thank you for attending. Any other comments?
2: <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just uh, you know, um, sort of Say uh, the sa- same thing. Um, this summer, um, IMLS did uh, six regional workshops. We were able to at least you know, reach out to 200 um, or more attendees, and um, every time I mention about MDL, uh, there was a lot of interest. So what we've been doing is we've been collecting. If you have a business card, right, just write on top, interested in in MDL, and give it. I've been collecting a stack of those uh, because. But one thing to clarify is, just because you're interested, uh, you know, there has there will be a vetting process. <laughs> uh, there will be a vetting process. But if you're interested, we definitely would like to have a conversation. Uh, with you, and just like we did uh, with the selection of the 10 educators, uh, because it's a federal project, we want to make sure that there is, you know, uh, equitable um, sort of a balance of, of the representation. But the good news is that if 500 are interested, that's that's what I want to hear, right? And we are only able to take 10, yeah. just imagine how much that 490 interested will help with the sustainable sustainability plan for this right because that shows the need of institutions you know who would benefit you know from something like this okay all right thank you thank you